Welcome to Wielding Legacy. My name is Laura Payne Stanley. This podcast is for high achievers, visionaries, creatives, coaches, and consultants. Because the key, the key, the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. You see, I know you are here creating an impact in your industry. You are here building a legacy for you and your family. And it drives you and it occupies your mind. But through my work as a trusted advisor to extraordinary entrepreneurs, I know you aren't yet reaching your greatest potential in business, your performance, and potentially in relationships. I'm known with my clients for being their loudest cheerleader. I often believe in them even before they do so themselves. And yet you can't enroll me in your legacy limiting story. I'm your biggest empowering challenger as you create your ultimate legacy. This podcast is called Wielding Legacy because the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. Welcome friends to today's Wielding Legacy conversation. And I'm joined by a joyous human, a lady I've actually known for a very long time now, someone who bucks industry trends and has decided to take her business to the next level. And she decided to do this from the hospital bed after giving birth to a second child. The lovely luxury floral designer and the star of Billionaire Blooms, Paula Rooney. And I remember my first call, I was sat in the uni, I was in my fleece, in my wellies, I was tired, I'd been doing a night clear. Uh, and you said to me, you know, why are you doing all of this? Why? And then, you know, wasn't paying any wages and I didn't really know how to... The one thing I didn't know how to is pass things on as well, trying mm. to do everything myself. Today, Paula is sharing how she is living and building her legacy life right now, going from not even paying herself regularly to being the in-house floral designer at one of the most iconic luxury hotels in London, the Four Seasons 10 Trinity Square. And she's going to share with us just how she did it. Season two of Wilden Legacy, I've been inviting some of my very most favorite in really bad grammar people to this podcast because I get so excited about them. And today, the lady in question is absolutely one of those people. She's just, well, I don't need to tell you because you're going to learn about her during this episode when we have this a delightful conversation all about legacy. So welcome to the podcast, Paula. Hi, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me. It's going to be a cheeky, I feel like it's going to be a cheeky conversation between you and me because it, it can be, it can be as well. So I'm just going to dive straight in with the question that I ask every guest on season two. What does legacy mean to you? So legacy to me is, it's sort of where you've come from and it's the journey of growth. Um, you know, because I feel like, you know, when I first started, I'm a different person now. I'm a different designer. I'm a different business person. Um, you know, you you grow up as well. So I just think it's um it's it's a little bit where you're going because you want to take you want your legacy to be bigger and bolder. But you've also got to remember it's nice to look back as well a little bit. Oh, I love that. Now, so obviously I know you very very well. We've worked together for a very long time. But for the listeners who don't know your story, where did you start from, and where are you now? So I started, um, so when I was sort of 18, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was creative, so I'd done a forestry course. Then I went to work on, I, I would travel around the world on two world cruises because I worked on a cruise liner. And on that cruise liner, luxury was um, 
it was drummed into you and attention to detail. So I think that's why I work so well with the hotels now, because, you know, working on a ship was a hotel. We moved down south, me and my husband, 13 years ago. And I thought, okay, I'll set my business up very small around having a family. You know, my husband will work at the week and I'll go out of the weekend and do a wedding and it'll be all nice and, you know, just around the kitchen table and all. And then it didn't, it started off like that and then it grew quite fast. Um, I got a big contract at a golf club, one of the most prestigious in the country. And I think going to that golf club every morning, it elevated me every time I went in, you know, all the trees were manicured and it was just, it was just so luxury and they loved what we, what we did. And I think that was what made me want to grow. And then I lived in a lovely village and that elevated me. So the word elevate, we use it a lot, don't we? Not on YouTube we as do. Well. It's so important to be in places and be with people and, you know, be around things that elevate you because it's so important in business, I think. Um, so then I got a small container, you know, had a nice website, created an illusion that I was actually bigger than I was. And then I just kept doing uh, quite bold uh, moves. So if I realized quite quickly the clients I wanted to work with. So I thought, right, let's do a photo shoot. Let's spend the money. Let's be bold and spend that money that I haven't got. But let's, let's invest. So I've done a big design, a big photo shoot. Um, and then we've done Brides the Show. And then it's sort of just a stepping stone from there, really. And then about six and a half years ago, is it six years ago? Six and a half years ago, I um, met a lovely business coach <laughs> and went on the journey with my business coach. Um, and I remember my first call. I was sat in the uni. I was in my fleece, in my wellies. I was tired. I'd been doing a night clear. Uh, and you said to me, you know, why are you doing all of this? Why? And then, you know, wasn't paying any wages and I didn't really know how to... The one thing I didn't know how to is pass things on as well, trying mm. to do everything myself. So and let, I, let me just let me catch up on that, that there, Paula, because I think when people see someone who's really successful, they don't necessarily always see the steps that it took to get successful and all, also the journey. So I would just want to really highlight what Paula just said. Our first ever call was when you were still in the kind of shipping container. I remember there were that you were not glam. There was no lippy. There was no hair done. It was uh, you looked. You did look a little tired. But I think I even called you out on it. What's yeah. going on? And you weren't even paying yourself regularly. You weren't treating your business like a business, were you? It was. It was a side hustle. It was. A, it was more than a hobby because you were doing the work for it. But it. It wasn't actually paying you as though it was a valid business like that, was it? It wasn't giving you the lifestyle that that you love and adore especially now um and it wasn't doing those things and I think that's so critical for everyone to realize when they are judging their journey against somebody else's you may never know all the steps of somebody else that you are comparing where you are to their highlight reel and it's it can be demoralizing for some people because they see success now and go oh this person never did that so if you are a creative or floral designer, if you're anywhere in business right now and you are not paying yourself regularly, then that would be my first part of advice. And it does not matter actually the amount that you're paying yourself, but committing to yourself that your business is going to pay you because I guarantee most entrepreneurs I work with, they are doing the hours. The hours is not the problem. It's the money coming in for the hours. But actually it signifies to you and the universe, if you believe in the woo, 
that actually this is a business and a business that's going to be sustainable for a long, long time. So I, I love that lesson there, Paula. And I think you you taught me to love myself and pay myself the wages. And that was and one of the big things that I use a lot is my business is, uh, I have created a business to create a lifestyle, but the lifestyle then gets me more business. So, um, so yeah, so I make sure I pay myself. And I also remember reading a blog from someone years ago and they said their accountant said, always have nice shoes and bag. So I took that on board and I always have nice shoes and bag. <laughs> but that's what my clients want to see now so but yeah I was in my fleece and my wellies no wages no nails no you know I'm doing everything and that was the and but and I where I felt why I did that is because I felt to grow I had to keep every penny back in the business and it wasn't I needed to look after myself and value myself so that's the legacy learning for everyone out there it isn't always all one thing it's not necessary don't compare yourself against the highlight reel you might be seeing on social media because you never know what we all do as business owners behind the scenes you're a fascinating woman and something that's been fascinating me for a while I want to actually ask you about is a quote that's on your website so you have on your website this ignited a passion passionate ambition to become one of the world's greatest floral designers and to establish a brand that would forever be known for its quality. Mm -hmm. What ignited that in you? What happened that you went, I want to become one of the world's greatest floral designers? I think it was a few things, really. I think it was, was you know, I think working on the QE2, which at the time was one of the most luxurious liners in the world. Everyone knew what the QE2 was. Um, so I think working on that, that elevated me when I was only 24. Um, and then I think when we moved down south, we moved into to this little chocolate box village that elevated me. And then Queenwood, when I got Queenwood Golf Club, that was the most prestigious in the country. It's quite a private club. Um, and then and that just elevated me. And I think that's why then I've, um, I, I, you know, I won four seasons. I can't have to do a lot of work four seasons. Hampshire here. So I think that's all of them little things have just brought me to more look you know to more luxury venues and clients love it I love this kind of concept about the fact that elevating yourself even above and beyond you getting the work in first sometimes you have to believe and I say you know one of my taglines and you will heard this on the podcast intro is I often believe in my clients before my clients believe in my clients mm -hmm. And you do have to do that as a business owner as well, don't you? You have to fully believe in yourself and your team and your skills that you are going to get work before it even comes in. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I follow the woohoo. You know, I do my affirmations and I do my mood boards. So, and I visualize a lot. So I visualize lots of things yet before that happens. And, and but I do put the work in to, to get it. It is, you know, it is big work. And again, you have to have lots of, you have to be confident in yourself as well because if you just think oh I want that work but then you're like oh no I can't do it you know I have to tell myself off all the time I had to tell myself off last night about something I'm going um for a meeting today and I had to tell myself off and go Paula come on you can do you can do this so it's not naturally always being positive and one you know we have to work so hard on ourselves this is the this is the term we've we've seen um, increasing in popularity called toxic positivity. The idea being that people are actually always positive. 
that you never have an off day, that you never have give yourself a talking to. And actually I had this one with one of my clients and I said, yeah, I can lose my shit. I can properly lose my shit. And the person, client was like, really? I would never have thought you with all your skills and you know, I'm their coach of you doing. I said, oh, I'm not above and beyond doing it myself. It might mean that I catch myself quicker. It might mean that I reframe myself quicker, mm-hmm. but we're all human. And the idea that everybody is always positive can become a negative because you feel like you can't reach out to people and say, I'm having a wobble. Now, you and I know that there's been times that I've had that message from you. I'm having a wobble, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) That's what a great coach will do. But actually, it's important to know that it's okay. And everybody, every listener right now, it's okay to wobble. And it's great to have a support system there, but we all do it. So don't mm-hmm. hold yourself to this higher standard that actually is unattainable, that nobody is wobbling as they create their legacy. Mm-hmm. Because for many people, as you create your legacy, you're creating a legacy that is above and beyond your generational legacy. And that is to say that actually many of my clients create a legacy that's above and beyond the success that their family has had. And that can be just their immediate family and back generations. So you're trying to create something that you may never have experienced before. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be scary, can't it? So going into some of your amazing clients, and obviously we're not going to disclose all of them because Paula works with a lot of people who have very strict NDAs. So non-disclosure agreements, when she works with millionaires and billionaires, she's not allowed to name them. But you have to be aware that you're going into a situation that may be completely new to you. Now, you mentioned the word work when we talk about woo-woo. So if you're newer to the podcast, we talk, I use the term woo-woo to be anything from law of attraction to manifestation to neuroscience. I use it kind of as a catch-all term. And my experience has been many people kind of rank differently on the woo-woo meter, let's say. Paula has quite a high woo-woo meter. Um, she, she, she loves doing the kind of internal work. And the reason I say woo-woo is because a lot of this work is not based it's neuroscience, but it's not actually based on what we call evidentiary-based research. So you can't say, did that work or not? Now, here's something I know about we work is often people think that it's not actually work. That they just sit there and can go, um, I want this magical thing to appear. So can you share with the listeners, when you say that you do your work, you do your woo-woo, your manifestation work, what do you mean by that in terms of, you mentioned vision boards and you mentioned affirmations. What actually does that mean when you say you do the internal work? So um, so I read a book many years back um, and I started, um, you know, I've got my journal. So, so my journal, I started journaling about eight years ago. And I must admit, it's only in the last few years that it's really like just gone, I've just got it. Because you used to journal and just say, oh, but now it just comes... You just you can't put the pen down. So journaling is big for me as well at the moment. So and um, it's so I feel like it's brain dump. Mm. You're just brain dumping it all out and then uh, writing what I'm grateful for. But I don't just put I'm grateful for the view or and I've done this with the children as well. So instead of just saying oh I'm grateful for my clients, you know why am I grateful for the clients? Or like with the children, I'll say to them on the way to school, we we'll say you know we're grateful for the car and why we're grateful for the car because it gets us there and we're grateful for whoever invented the car and for all the things that you know so we go a bit deeper with being grateful as well so I love to do that and then visual I've got vision boards so I've done them again I've done them for about eight years and if I look back to my first one I think oh my god that happened that happened that happened, that happened. Mm. Um, so I do one roughly every 12 months 
I've got one at home and one in front of my, my desk. Um, and also just sometimes the self-care work, um, you know, trying to turn the computer off mm. at a reasonable hour, um, trying to have some boundaries. It's not all the time this can happen, but trying to do that and then trying to sort of to, to relax so that you are fresh the next day. And then when I'm doing that relaxing, I will visualize how I want things to be in the next five months or it could be the next to, to tomorrow. I could visualize how do I want tomorrow to go? How do I want it to, my meeting to go with this client today? How do I want um, the next 12 months? So a lot of visualization really and a lot of just um, sort of, yeah, you know, it could be in bath time. It could be having an early night visualizing. Um, but that's sort of my woohoo. But, I, you know, there might be like four days where I don't do anything because I'm in the, so I'm not stuck to doing it every day because I've got family and business and commitments, but most of the time I'm on a roll. But if something can sometimes knock that roll off, but I don't beat myself up about it. And that is the beautiful thing when people think about consistency. They often think that you have to do it every day. And therefore, if you stop it, and this can be whether we're talking about internal work, whether we're talking about exercise or fitness or showing up in your business or on social media, that they fall off as in they don't do it for one day. And then it's like hands in the air, completely pointless, a fail, let's stop again. And there's, there's this concept about the Monday start. And I've seen this with so many different disciplines that Monday will do it, yes. Tuesday, okay, good. Wednesday will start to wobble. Thursday, Friday, Saturday might. And then Thursday, Friday, it's like, oh, I'll start again on Monday. It's like, mm -hmm. I'll start again on Monday. Monday's a great day for start for most people. But what happens, it gives them an excuse not to show up for the rest of that week. And what you're saying, Paula, is that consistency doesn't have to be every day. You're still being consistent with what life, you know, what life's throwing at you and what's happening around life. But you're still being consistent to what you know that you need to turn up as the best boss lady that you can be in your business, don't you? Definitely, definitely. And I think manifesting, sometimes it's just putting it out there, just saying, you know, I really need a new assistant, and, you know, I really need a new team member. <laughs> I want this team member, this is what I'm good at. I want this team member to be able to do this, 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 and this. And then sometimes, you know, something will put in front of me and think, wow. And that's how ma how magic it is and how easy it is. But you've also got to feel it as well. Mm. You can't just say, oh, I'm grateful for that water, but just not really feel it. You've got to feel it inside. I think that's what sometimes people forget to do. Feel, feel it inside. And really want it as well. Because if you're thinking, mm. I really want to win that contract, but then you're being negative, going, oh, I actually can't do it. Da, da, da. You've got to get that can't out of your head and just go and just think if I want if I want that legacy if I want that big legacy I've got to think bold so I remember and this is a great story for you to share with the with the listeners how you manifested one of your team members yeah so I think was this the bus stop one of the yes, bus this was the this was the team member you manifested at a bus stop and by by the way even before Paul is going to tell you the rest of this story listeners when she told me this I went what were you doing at a bus stop? That was my first question. <laughs> this is not normal. Paula's normal habitat at a bus stop. I was like, why were you at a bus stop? But tell them how you manifested an amazing team member. So I remember being at the bus stop, a uh, school bus stop. It was a school, and we live in a village. It was a school bus stop. And then someone said, oh, you're really busy. I said, oh, yeah, I just can't keep on top of these emails. Really can't, you know, just, uh, and then, and then I was at, at the beginning of my stage of in business and I couldn't, I, I didn't pay myself anyway. Just like, I was, well, couldn't even think of, paying anyone else any wages um even though the money was there it was just a big like fear of taking anyone on so then um 
a bit later on, someone phoned me and said, oh, uh, you've got a job. I said, oh, I haven't got a job. Because I don't, I've just said like, and this is what I need. And then she went, oh, well, I can, I was a teacher, I've done this. I said, oh, come, okay, come in then for a few days. And then she come in and then she stayed with us for about four or five years then. But it was, I put it out there and I did have the fear, but the universe knew I needed it. And the universe knew, you know, the universe see my vision board that I had, that I wanted. And, but I just had to get rid of that fear. And now I know how to control fear a little bit more. But then I didn't, you know, I was too, I had fear that I didn't want to pay myself wages because that was fear. I didn't, I was worried about mm. taking a full-time person on because it was fear. And when she come, it was just like, and then you taught me to pass on to her. And that was it. That was, we were away then, weren't we? And we can have an interesting relationship with fear. Um, when people say become fearless, it's actually a misconception that you're trying to do something completely without fear. You've just told us, Paula, fear is beautiful. Actually, if you stop trying to avoid fear and embrace fear and learn how to use it and actually go, is fear, because fear is there because it keeps us safe. Ultimately, it tells us not to go down an alleyway that we don't feel safe about. It tells us all of these unconscious cues that we're not aware of. So we need fear. So don't, you know, listeners, don't stop trying to get away from fear. Fear is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's like ego is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay. Fear is good, but you have to be in control of your fear and you have to understand what it's trying to tell you. And is this fear from the ego mind, which is like, <gasps> but if I do this and it fails, everyone's going to know. And I'm going to, everyone's going to know I'm a fraud. I'm not saying that's you, Paula, but I'm just saying other people might be going, oh, don't do this. I don't want to, I don't want to not get the contract. I don't want to not do this thing. Or is it there because your gut, and I'm a big believer in the three mind theory. So gut, enteric brain thinking of what's your gut instincts trying to tell you? And is that actually fear that a team member isn't right for your team? Is that fear that actually there might be some conscious cues with another client and the contract may be about to be pulled or not renewed. And you consciously haven't been aware of that. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying you, Paul, but I'm saying yep. consciously somebody else might be not aware of that, but your internal cues have picked up on all these little signals that we can't articulate. So mm -hmm. embrace fear, learn to get to know your fear, learn to yeah. actually really work with it. And actually fear can drive you because yeah. for your success, Paula, if you've stayed in your comfort zone the whole time, you would not have had the success that you had. Or I wouldn't have, be here now. And again, continue to have, would you? Mm -hmm. Because no. you do things before you're ready. Yeah. One of our mission statements is embrace the challenge. Nice. Uh, I think to grow, I have to push myself out my comfort zone uh, all the time. All the time. Which, and that's the only way you grow? It is, it is. And we talk about this being the comfort zone. And then we talk about being your edge. So play your edges. This is very much used in sports. But every entrepreneur, everybody who's considering starting up a side hustle, everybody who's even thinking about doing something different in their life right now and what does legacy mean to them, play your edges basically means get to the edge where you're comfortable. Do something that scares you, you know, and all the time do these things. There's a concept that I talk about is resetting your fear zone sometimes. And you may notice this, dear listener, if you are somebody who suffers from anxiety, which is actually fear of the future, that our fear level, so our adrenaline response, um, if we go back to saber-toothed tiger land, it was supposed to be when there was an imminent danger to our life. Think about in today's world, fear can come because we haven't answered an email. Fear can come because there's notifications, bing, 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 oh, I have got too many things open. Now, realistically, are we in any danger? No, but your body 
Ken, and I love the fact that you're laughing now, right, right now, Paula. So if you're watching this actually on YouTube rather than the podcast, look, Paula's laughing along, which I'm like, okay, so there's something that resonated with what I just said for Paula there. Because, My email's full. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like oh. And but your body is overreacting. Now, the problem is with that is this is where the term burnout comes from because we are engaging our fear and our adrenal responses too much for things like email. And it shouldn't be happening. So if you are somebody who is, playing your edges, but actually you don't have anything. You feel lack or burnout or exhausted all the time. You can do something called a fear-based response reset. Now for mine, I'm not saying everyone listening, you don't have to do this. I jumped out of a plane. I went skydiving. Okay. And the reason that was such a scary thing for me, not because I, I love heights is because I had a shoulder injury and I was once told I couldn't skydive without my arm falling out of the socket. So I was just like, this, this would be a terrible thing to do. But that was a limiting belief that I'd then taken from a doctor, an expert. So I reset my fear. And the great thing what happens when you reset your fear, the next time you go to do something like an email, you go, my email, my email inbox is full. Who, who? No, no one died. No one's doing anything. Hopefully in an email, it's not that. You know, literally it's there's emails coming in. So dear listener right now, if you're struggling and you're thinking that actually you're running too hot too often, then look at how can you reset your fear? How can you bring it down? There's other things that you will know from burnout. Um, actually, this is going to be my next question for you, Paula. How do we reset our parasympathetic nervous system? So what do you do to chill out is normally layman's language. People know who know me know that I love going in float tanks. I love a float tank. Completely resets your nervous system. Um, other things such as yoga, just being calm, forest walking is another one that I love doing. But what do you do? What do you do for somebody who enjoys challenges often then? How do you reset yourself? What's a polar reset? Um, I think sometimes a reset is to turn your phone off mm -hmm. for, for the weekend. Okay. And totally just turn the phone, turn the laptop, turn everything off and just, uh, you know, work on myself. But for me, I, I do like to have a bath every night with the candles, with the music. And, and again, it's not every night because sometimes you do have to still even you do have a design concept you have to get mm. out or there's a you know last minute thing so but I try and turn everything off you know seven eight o'clock and then it, it's me time and bath candles and um, some spa music and that's where I that's where I'll visualize then how I want the day to go or how I want the week to go or or even the next 10 years or 20 years you know it's, it's just dreaming it's daydreaming isn't it and I've, yeah. I've always loved to daydream but when I was a child, I didn't know daydream and how magic it was. Uh, and listeners, if you are now thinking that you remember that school report when someone would said, if only they would work hard and stop daydreaming. Daydreaming is such a, it's a ninja skill. It's such a powerful skill to have. And if you've ever been called a daydreamer, then well done. I think I say bravo, well done you, because being a daydreamer is actually so beautiful if we can land some of those dreams. So if we can bring them into reality. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you've been talking about, Paula, is actually you have undefined, let's say, you haven't, you didn't sit down and go, right, what is my wind down routine? What is my routine every night? You, you kind of organically gone actually being in a bath, having candles, having music, it helps you. Would that be fair to say, do you think? Yes, definitely. You know, a couple of years back, I give up watching uh, certain things on TV at certain times. So I, I, then that was like, oh, okay, that's my bath time. And I've just had my bedroom renovated and we've got a bath in there and it's just lovely with candles and then there's a um there is a picture tv as well so you can 
you could put um, a Van Gogh on and look at the, you know, all the little strokes in the picture, which is very therapeutic. So you mentioned your your girls. So for any listener who's who's now resonating with what you're saying about creating a legacy, and actually they've maybe thought about legacy creation for them, but they haven't thought about how to do some of these, either what whether you want to call them woo-woo disciplines, neuroscience-based disciplines, uh, law of attraction, with their children. How did you first start the girls doing that without them necessarily get, realizing what you were doing or it's not like a lesson that they sat down to be taught to do? How did you even start that process with them? Well, I think when I realized how, how magic it was, I thought, imagine if I, did, imagine if I didn't even talk this at school. Imagine where I would be now. Um, so I thought, I need to show the girls this, you know, show them it. And, you know, they still say, I can't do this, can't do this. And it's still like, there's no such thing as can't. And, but the little things, they, they pretend they're not listening on what's mummy being that again. But then I see them doing it themselves. And I remember Gabriella once saying to me, oh, I, I just thought this, I've been thinking of this and then it happens. She it's magic. Um, I took Gabriella on Sunday to a yoga retreat um, and it was just a yoga morning and we'd done some yoga and uh, there was some sound therapy. And I thought, if I can take it to these things now, when she, mm. as she's going to go, you know, she'll start doing more of this. She has a grateful journal and then we do, our, we try and say what we're grateful for in the morning. It, you know, there is like shouting and screaming in the car, but it's to try and calm them down you know, from the um, from the chaos of everything. But I just, I just really feel I want them to, I want them to have, to know how easy it can be if you have a good positive mind. Um, and again, so little things, you know, I want them to have a good legacy. So I'm helping Gabriella now say, what does she want to do? And should we do this? And should we do this? Just so that they can get on the right path, really. And, you know, on the morning we put on, on the on the um, uh, Google, I put Beautiful Morning by the Rascals on. And they were going, oh, Mum, don't be putting that on. But I know when they're older and they've got their own children, they might just probably do it, won't they? But now they're just like, oh, Mum, she's got her song on again. <laughs> So it's a beautiful morning by the rascals try okay it. that's another one of your chocolates and I love that too because yeah. what you're saying is that you're using in coaching times we call it different modalities so you're using an auditory cue to signal a message to kids I mean it's no different than a, um, a children's mobile at bedtime they know that yeah. sound it's no different than any of those kids programs and I say in auntie life you know garden ones and little I don't even know all the names, but I'm, I'm, I'm like the worst honestly, you know, I, I know character names now and then I lose them yeah. I change them kind of thing. But when, when that music comes in, that a child will know that this is the wind down routine because it's a routine that they know. And there's so many lessons from how we treat children that we can do with ourselves that we don't do. Like how many listeners right now don't have a wind down routine? They have a right I'm in bed I'm still looking at my phone I've got my blue light by the way if you're doing it stop right now because that's an awful thing to do before you go to bed but if you are looking at your phone before bed and you just I'll just quickly check emails and then you'll look at them you're opening tabs up in your mind and then you're like I'll put my phone down why am I not going to sleep oh I'm not having gone to sleep for five minutes let me pick up my phone again let's go on TikTok or Instagram or anything else I'm going on to those things aren't helping you would never do that with your child because you know it wouldn't aid sleep another thing um so Francesca is very you know she's up and down she, she does like Gabby is fast asleep as soon as she hits the pillar and Chesky does so we have been putting some sleep music on mm. um, and and we wear eye masks and she's away and then because the it's on then and, and then because we're potted and round I leave it on 
till we go to bed to sleep music. And then I, but I find it really works me when I'm pottering around. And yeah, but it, I can't believe how she is going to sleep in like 20 minutes where it's usually like three hours. It's just to sleep, sleep off Google. Okay. So any, anybody out there who's going, right, go and get some sleep music. Face, you know, I'm asked Paula's saying as well. I want to switch gears a little bit on you now, Paula, if that's all right. <laughs> I love Paula just did a coaching shift because she's worked <laughs> for me so long. It's like, okay, hang on. Let's just see. Let's just see what's going on. Okay. So what's your next up level? Do you think as you continue to build your legacy for Paula Rooney and the Paula Rooney brand? Um, so for me, um, I just want, so I look after um, a hotel. So I just want some more clients, hotels, uh, just where we can be a bit more creative just because each hotel has its own design so its own design brief so I think it just for me as a designer I would like uh, like some more hotels um to be more creative and again the weddings as well we've just we, I just find we'll go we'll, every year we're going to the next different level in our weddings so yeah so to grow um to have to grow the team more as well you know even now after COVID and um, in my journals you know this morning it was like this is what I need. I need. I need more and more and more. Um, I need more, more help as as we're, as we're growing. So yeah, it's a really good year this year. And I, and I just know this is this is just the start of my business. It really is. And I, I as your coach, I have no doubt at all. That brings on to a different question. How have you broken the trend of so many? Because I'm not going to say florist because you don't call yourself. You're a floral designer now. But how have you broken the trend of so many florists and actually run a very profitable business? Because if, if, if listeners who don't know, running anything in the flower-based business can be incredibly difficult to turn a, a substantial profit on and one that's sustainable in the long term. So how did you do that? How did you defy many people in the industry and not only have a very profitable business, but a very profitable business that's still growing and even during the pandemic? How did you do that? I think it's all down, down to when you told me to value myself, to pay myself wages. I think it really does come to that, um, to pay my wages. And there was one time where I'd done a wedding. It might be before I was paying wages. And I remember the client was, um, oh, I don't want to pay. You know, you go to clear the next day. Oh, I can't pay for that. And it was a light bulb moment. And I just thought, no, never again. So that's where I learned to value myself. Then um, you were paying the wages. So it was always value myself. So it was then I always was on a mission then to always make money. Um, and through the pandemic, I think I was just really, really lucky that we still had some clients. We had a few big jobs that got us through. And I think I was lucky because I didn't have lots of um, lots of overheads because I did always try and have my business where it was pay as you pay as you go and there wasn't lots of we didn't have lots of vans on the road you know on finance everything was like was all bought so that's how we got through the pandemic really okay now you know um because we've worked together long enough I'm about to challenge you something on the term lucky there's a reason dear listen why lucky jars with me slightly because it can be giving your power away okay now there are things in this world that we can't control that how they happen to us but when it comes to clients, do I believe knowing you and your business and your model that it's luck? No, I don't. So I'm going to call you right on that one because I don't think it's anything to do with luck. I think that comes into customer service. Mm -hmm. It comes into all those parts of the relationships that you've had with clients that change how they may react to you during such an amazing 
life-changing, world-changing events such as a pandemic. So I don't necessarily believe in that kind of luck because I think you created those client relationships. How does that sit with you? Yeah, and actually through the pandemic, it I just stayed I just stayed positive all the way through. You know, I, I didn't do, read any of the negative. Obviously, the news was on, but I just stayed positive with all my clients. And with you know, everyone was like, "Oh, that's the end of the world." And I was like, "Just a bit of time off, you know. It's it's going to make us better and stronger." Um, mm. after you know, business wise, you know, because it put everything into perspective, and it put for me, it put things into perspective, things that I didn't want to do anymore. And things and and where I wanted to take the business, um. So we stripped back quite a lot in in different. We were going into a few different directions, and we stripped all them business directions away and just stuck to the ones that we love, um, and that we wanted to grow with. I was going to be stronger after it. Now, you just said something that I know you have a very good muscle in, which is the art of saying no. So you said no to parts of your business that didn't feel aligned anymore. You said no to parts of your business that maybe weren't as profitable as other parts of your business. And to this day, you still say no to jobs, wedding jobs, corporate jobs that some people in your industry would would want them. They're, they're the jobs that are on their vision boards. But for you, you are so in alignment that you have no problem saying no, do you? No. I, uh, yeah, I keep saying no a lot to a lot now of things. Um, yeah, I just, um, I just, we, and even my team, you know, I want to keep my team happy. We want to be creative. So the jobs that come along would, which were bread and butter. Now we want to do less. It's not necessarily less work, but less jobs for, um, obviously the bigger budget. So they're more creative. Um, so I think we're still doing the same work, but it's challenging us. And even the team are the same. They want to challenge. They don't want to come in and just make a, a, a one vase or a bouquet. They want to challenge whether we've got to build this. How should we do this? Because um, that's the excitement, you know, that's the excitement the job gives. So for anyone listening right now who's going, I can't imagine getting to a place in my business when I can say no, that actually the price becomes the no, or we say no because it's just not in alignment, whereas other people in the industry would love that and not take every job. How did it feel when you said your first no? And how have you strengthened that muscle over the years? Um, oh, it feels it feels so good. It feels so good. And you know, <laughs> we're, we're saying no a lot all the time now. Um, it just felt like it felt like I valued myself again as well. Because sometimes when you're saying yes to every little job, sometimes you, you don't actually want the job, so you're not valuing yourself. Mm. So um, yeah, I just yeah, saying no is really good. Now it's hard though because you've got you've got to try and not upset people, and you do upset people, and some people come back to you and they're, and they're not very happy. So you have to uh, we've worded a few things a little bit differently now. So it's scary when you first say no, but actually you probably were nervous about it, but it's exhilarating when you say no, and yeah. it's it's also being in an abundance mindset. Because when we're in a lack mindset, we have to say yes to everything, even if it's not in alignment. Now, again, dear listener, you will know when you said yes to a client who everything in your body was screaming at you, do not take this client. This is not an aligned client for me. And that just means that you weren't in alignment with each other. It doesn't mean there's anything right or wrong about that client. It just was not an aligned client. Or you've taken on a job or a contract or you've done a piece of work or you've diversified into somewhere that your body is screaming at you, do not do it. And you've done it. Now, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see Paula's little um, smile just there because that means she has to. Uh, we've all done it and then gone halfway into the client journey going, this is not going well because you ignored yourself. 
because if you truly believe there is enough money to go around, if you truly believe that there are enough clients for everybody and the people who might be inquiring might not be your clients, then there's another client just coming. So embrace the power of the no. If you haven't done that yet, if you've never yep. said no to something that's out of alignment, embrace the power of the no. Okay, so as we start to wrap up our um, conversation today, what's your three non-negotiables, Paula, as you create your legacy? When you're creating it, team, yourself, you're for your family, what's your three non-negotiables? Um, so for me, um, it's always to, you know, sort of stay positive, um, have that positive mindset, um, work on yourself also to give out what give out the same as what you want to receive back mm. um is is a big one and again challenging myself i need to challenge myself to to create the, the legacy to take the what the journey that we're going on beautiful i love 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 those and especially number two putting out into the world how we want to be treated back is such a beautiful kind of energy symbiotic relationship with yourself with suppliers with clients with other people with nature with your family and yeah they are they are amazing Paula I just think a lot of my clients or the venues we we are you know I will speak to the every person in that hotel the same as if you you were the, the boss the owner and I just think that's the way uh we, we should be you know I say hello to street cleaners you know and they nearly fall over uh, and I just think, yeah, just be nice to everyone, be nice and kind and give everyone a smile. You don't know what's going on behind someone else's world. That's another Paula only top tip there. <laughs> be nice to everyone. I completely agree. Um, be nice to everyone. And the, this is the other thing, not that you do it from a tribe way, but you never know where that street cleaner, that person that you've said hello to, you never know where they're going to go as they build le their legacy. You never know what's going to happen with them. And it again is just putting out that energy into the world, isn't it? But even like little things, like somewhere where I work, there's somebody who was, say, a concierge, and now he's like there, and like there's an opportunity now. He knows me. I've always, you just ne never know where that, you know, that street cleaner could go. You know, he could mm -hmm. be the billion, he could win the lottery, be the millionaire that booked you for a wedding, or you just don't know. Um, so, yeah, just treat everyone. Um, lovely yeah and the ripple effect those yes. ripple effects even if you do it just to say I say this one second the ripple effect you never know just by saying to someone good morning that can change their day definitely and it's it's something that I think I know myself everybody I'm sure and I definitely take this on for myself can do more of it I don't think anyone's at their limit that they they haven't got any more to give on this kind of front and as we're building legacies, you're building legacy for you, for your family, for those people around you and for the world. So we have the whole society as we're doing these things that can be impacted, can't they? Definitely, definitely. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today, Paula. It was an absolutely joy and a nice sassy conversation as I knew it would be having you here. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Loved it. It has been said that with a big enough lever, you can move the world. I've spent my life figuring out how to use that lever to move my own world. And in doing so, I help extraordinary entrepreneurs do exactly the same for themselves. So I want to offer you a perspective on what gives you the greatest leverage in your life to create wealth, health, and happiness. 
It's called legacy. And the lever to your legacy is within your reach. If you'd love to know more about this, go to laurapainstanley.com forward slash legacy. Thank you.